So when we work with people, it's not just for their communication purposes, it's also for their mental health. Like the therapy itself is important when we do add the counseling aspect because you end up learning so much stuff. For example, like bullying experiences, um, how low their self-esteem can be, and their overall mental health wellness could be uh, deteriorating due to speech disfluencies or communication disorders. Well, uh, well, welcome to Some Stutter Law, Newfoundland Labrador's first podcast about stuttering. My, my name is Greg O'Grady, and I am a person who stutters and a co-host of the Some Stutter Law, Newfoundland Labrador's first podcast about stuttering, along with my co-host, Caitlin. And I'm Caitlin Mayo. I am a speech-language pathology student, and I'm Greg's co-host on this podcast. Some, uh, some stutter law mission is dismantling and rebuilding stuttering. Let's, let's start listening. Some stutter law man- mandate is in the spirit of Newfoundland Labrador's humor, robust and frank interactive discussions. Some stutter law podcast aims to rebuild confidence and hope for today's and tomorrow's persons who happens to stutter by dismantling stuttering myths, stigmas, stereotypes, and barriers. The objectives of Some Stutter Law podcast are supporting, raising awareness, and increasing understanding and acceptance of stuttering, providing people who stutter, their families, professionals, students, and the general public with current information, research, and resources about stuttering, and promoting advocacy and support for people who stutter. In, in, in uh, today's uh, Some Stutter Law uh, uh, podcast, we, you know, you know, we, you know, we welcome Amy Bateman. Amy is 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 currently completing a communication disorders assistance program, CDA for short. And 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 Amy, this is a real mouthful for a person who stutters. And so so. Welcome, Amy. So, would you know? Would you know? Would you know? Would you like to share a little bit about yourself and and, and also what you know what a, a, a communication disorders assistant is? Sure. So, um, I'm Amy. I am recently completing. So, at the end of this week, I'll actually be cl- uh, completing my program as a communicative disorders assistant, or as Greg said, CDA for short. Um, so. Uh, CDA is someone who works with um, a speech language pathologist, an audiologist, or an ABT, so any form of communication uh, program, anybody who works in the communication field. Um, So I actually have a job starting on the 30th of August in Nova Scotia at the Nova Scotia Hearing and Speech Clinic in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia as a CDA. Very exciting, exciting job. Yay. Um, That's super cool. So I'm wondering a good question to get started. Where did your interest in this field come from, I guess? So uh, when I was choosing first year courses at Ford Memorial, uh, my sister was actually making (laughs) my schedule and she asked me 
what I wanted to do. So she suggested that I do um, a general year study first because I had no idea what I wanted to major in. I just knew that I wanted to work with people with special needs. So she suggested linguistics because she actually took a linguistics course as well. And I said, okay, sure. Like I love language. I love everything to learn, you know, like it's an interesting topic. So I was all about it. So I took my first linguistics course it was Introduction to Linguistics and uh, 1100 with Erica Davis and my love for linguistics just grew out of proportion after that. Um, so I love the psycholinguistic aspect of uh, linguistics. So I get to enjoy the psychology and the linguistics part. Um, so even as a kid, I knew that I wanted to work with other individuals that had special needs or uh, communication disorders. So I feel like speech language pathology was the best option for me at that time. Amazing. I, I want to add, because we're always interviewing Greg's friends. And I just want to add that Amy and I are friends from school and we, we went through the linguistics program together. And so this is a really exciting interview for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess uh, something that probably everybody is wondering, um, and the reason we asked you to come join the podcast today, uh, what are some of the main differences between a CDA and an SLP? Because obviously they do a lot of similar work, but what are, what are some of the main differences? Um, so a CDA is like an SLP, but we don't get the perks of assessment. So while, so my focus is going to be with a speech language pathologist because that's where my love and interest is. So what I do as a CDA is I get to do the therapy aspects of the, like for the objectives and stuff, but I don't get to make the objectives and I don't get to do the assessment. So I can do screenings. So um, for example, um, I've done stuttering uh, screenings. I've done PSL five screenings, Caitlin, which you'll be doing and they're really fun. Um, as well as, um, what else is there? Thing about the main focuses now. Um, so yeah, like I can't do assessments such as um, phonological disorders or um, declaring what kind of assessment. So if they have like apraxia or stuttering or if they have um, expressive language delays or anything like that. So I can't do any assessments, but I do work on the objective. So I do the therapy sessions. I help um, when I work with my SLP here in Port of Basque during my placement, uh, he would allow me to sit in and we would sometimes um, figure out how to do things together. Like, so he would ask for my opinions. Um, and think about what else? Um, oh, I get to develop like materials and stuff. So I could come up with my own activities, which is really fun, but they have to be based on the objectives from the SLP. So, so I'm the assistant to the SLP, lots of fun. <laughs> You know, Amy, I've, you know, you know, I've never, you know, never heard of of a CDA before until Caitlin mentioned you. You know, you, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you and your studies. 
Now, uh, now in, ter in terms of the, uh, you know, the, you know, the profession, now, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, is, 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 you know, CD, CDA, you know, CDA a popular profession in Newfoundland or? No. So actually, I, my goal was to do SLP, but the program is so hard to get into. So I needed something to help um, get me one step further. So it was like a stepping stone. So I was actually previously volunteering with the SLP that I worked with here in Port of Ask um, a few years ago. And he mentioned that a girl from here did the CDA program. So when I didn't get into speech the first time, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I remembered that Tony mentioned the CDA program, which is a big focus in Ontario. So that's where I'm going to school too, in Kingston, Ontario, uh, through online, which is typically an in-class program, but due to COVID, we're, we're online. Um, so it's really big focus in Ontario and at West Lake Alberta and BC and stuff, but not here in the Atlantic provinces. Lucky enough, I did get a position in Nova Scotia, I guess, because it is big enough, but here in Newfoundland, there's only one CDA and that's in St. John's. I believe they work with the AVT there at the Janeway. And um, Cornerbrook was looking for a CDA a few years back, but they couldn't find anybody because it wasn't popular enough. So they end up giving their funding to an audiologist rather than looking for a CDA because there's nobody to apply. So, so CDA is kind of like a, a growing program, I guess, or a growing field of work. Um, and so I'm wondering if you want to talk a bit about the importance of a CDA in the in the realm of speech and language therapy and kind of what benefits that would add for a client. Absolutely. So I, here in Port Basque, I mean, we don't have any CDAs. Like I said, in Newfoundland, there's only one in St. John's. And so after experiencing, like working with the local SLP here, so he actually works with preschool um, and 18 and older. And then the I was lucky enough to do some observation uh, sessions with the local school SLP. And Amanda works with all school age children from I believe kindergarten to grade 12. So um, realizing how much an SLP actually has to do, it's crazy. Like they have so much book work to do and reports to write and um, chart notes to do and planning and assessments and is a lot of work. So a CDA is really important. Like I wish there was more here in Newfoundland because SLPs could use them. So for example, Tony's, um, with Tony, he has like say kids, but once they're about five, they get put into the school board system. So then Amanda, her caseload just grows, but Tony's gets smaller as the wait list unless he has people on the wait list. So Amanda's um, caseload just grows and grows and grows because Tony's ends up on her plate. So really a CDA is extremely important for school boards here in Newfoundland alone in Port of S because she services so many schools. 
So the main school in Port of Basque and Granny's Collegiate, which is in Burn Island, which uh, also uh, kids from Rose Blanche go there as well. Um, Legalis Memorial, which is in Isle of Mort. There's Boulanger a Memorial, which is in the Valley, Cowdroy Valley. I believe she also does um, the school in Ramia and Burgio. So that's a huge area with one SLP who gets 25 minutes a session. So if she had the opportunity to have the assistant, so a CDA, then her caseload could shorten, could be half, or she could just do the main book work and the CDA could help with the, the therapy sessions. So it is a lot to take on for one SLP. Like I didn't realize how big and how much they had to do. It's not just playing with kids or teaching people how to talk. Like there's so much to do. Even as a CDA, it's busy. So I could only imagine what a full-time SLP would be like. So Amy, if you know, like as, as a person who stutters now, if you know, if, if I was looking for a, 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 a speech language pathologist, for treatment, you know, would you know, would you know, would you walk me through the the process of me, you know, like being, you know, you know, being, you know, being introduced to a, 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 an, an, an SLP, and then, you know, me, you know, me, you know, me being referred to you. What 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 would the process be like? Okay, so you could actually refer yourself to an SLP. Um, it doesn't have to be medical. You don't have to go to a doctor and be like, yeah, I want to see an SLP. Um, you can refer yourself if you feel like that is necessary. So the SLP will chat with you at first. Um, he'll do his assessments and determine, um, so your diagnosis, for example. So if you were to go for stuttering, um, the SLP would, well, I mean, he has to his assessment to have his reports and then he would chat with me about your assessment um, and he would tell me the objective. So he plans what uh, steps he wants to take for therapy wise. So for example, I had a kiddo here in Port Bass on my own caseload that stuttered and I got to take on his, my, his, my role as his CDA. So I got to work with him and the SLP just sat out and observed. So Tony will walk me through the steps. Um, so I read his report, I read his assessment, and then he told me the objectives that we had to look at. So I based my therapy on his objectives. So with this child in particular, we didn't focus on the stuttering aspect at all. We just spoke about um, slow and easy speech. So we would use, make sure that we talk slow and easy, like Snooky the snail. He was our cue. He was our visual reminder the whole time. And so we didn't focus on the child's disfluency. We just reminded him to speak slow and easy. And we involved all of his family into the slow and easy speech. So it was, it's a little bit different, I guess, because he is like he was a child. And it, I guess it depends on the type of disfluency and the severity of the disfluency. But it's just 
Um, we work together. So like the SLP does the main stuff and then we work together to determine what treatment plans we're going to go ahead. So I would just be there right as the SLP is done and they like, uh, he'll chat with me and we'll talk about it together. And then we determine what's going on, what's going to happen. So, so, so you, you know, so, so you, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you would, you know, work closely with the, uh, the, the, you know, the SLP, and would you know, would you, mm -hmm. would you know, would a, a CDA meet, a meet, you know, meet on, you know, after each session, or like once a week, or what's, or, 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 or is this decided between you and the SLP? Um, because I was a student, and I guess it depends on the SLP themselves. So, um, Tony and I would meet before every session and after every session. So we would talk about what my plans were, were for the session. So we would talk about uh, the materials that I've chosen, the props that I've chosen, um, the super steps and sub steps, uh, every, and we would chat about it. And then I would do my session and then we'd come back for a debriefing. So he would tell me uh, what to focus on and what I did really well with. So we would just take one or two things at a time and that's what I would focus on for the next session. So we always chatted about the clients. So I always had that reassurance um, and reinforcement for my own purposes. So I don't know now when I move to Nova Scotia, if that'll be the same thing because I have another CDA I'm gonna be working with and I didn't have that here. So um, it could be different there. But here, I, I guess, cause I was a student, uh, me and Tony did it before and after every session. Um, I kind of want to flip back a little bit and talk about the program itself, the CDA program itself, and how that program differs from SLP and kind of your experiences with the program, your background going in, the kinds of people that typically are uh, part of a CDA program. Sure. So um, there's a few individuals and actually there, yeah. There's a few people who have linguistic backgrounds. One had a, actually a master's in linguistics. Um, there's a few girl, or there's actually a girl that got accepted into SLP. So most people I feel use it as a stepping stone into SLP. Um, so that was my plan. If I end up loving it as it is, then I guess I'll just stay as a CDA, but I do hope one day to be an SLP. Um, so, I completed a degree in linguistics at MUN. I have a degree in linguistics and a minor in psychology. And so I did that for a four year bachelor's program. And then I've also had experience with um, tutoring different individuals. So neurodiverse people. Um, and I worked in, like, I volunteered with local SLPs for years. Um, but I was looking, I found the CDA program. So most of us are SLP wannabes for, <laughs> for the most part, I think. Um, there are some that have linguistic backgrounds, some have uh, ABA backgrounds, so applied. Um, behavioral analysis, some work, some have psych backgrounds, some have um, 
there were some older individuals that were in my class. One lady has like an arts degree and now she wants to do CDA. Um, I think it all just depends on the person themselves. Uh, the experience overall was different. The program is a year long. So it's a, actually a graduate certificate that you get at the end. It's a very intense program. Um, so my first semester I had eight courses and I've never done that in my life. <laughs> so um, it's pretty, pretty intense, very high, like um, very fast paced. So I feel like if you are someone who struggles, like it's a difficulty with school and stuff and keeping up with homework or procrastinator, this is, you really got to work hard <laughs> to stay in the program. It's, but it's really fun. Um, it's really quick. Like I said, like things get thrown at you all the time, especially online It's a little bit more difficult. Um, but overall, the experience was different. I'm the first Newfoundlander for that school. Uh, the coordinator that we had was there for about eight or nine years. Avalon 2013 has been. And then so she was there and I was the first Newfoundlander she ever had in the program, which was pretty cool. Um, I also got to meet one of my closest friends, uh, Jacqueline. So she kept me sane through the whole program. <laughs> uh, we would do homework together and help each other out with quizzes and stuff that we didn't understand. So um, I got to work in a field that I love because although it's not SLP, I do get to do, I, I still get the perks. Like I still get to work with kids and other individuals with, um, communication disorders and it's just it's, it's a good program I gotta say like I did really enjoy it like it was it was good so you know Amy what do you, you know what were you know were the the, the you know the the you know the numbers of, of students in, in in your class I mean is is it a, a popular program for people you know who are interested um there's 25 well there was 25 students um recently a couple uh left the program and there was one who passed away um so i guess now it's 23 22 is a competitive program so when i first applied i got waitlisted and then i got accepted into the program in ontario it is fairly um popular so there are two other schools I believe that also have a CDA program uh Georgian College and Durham or, or something like that it's like um in different parts of Ontario so it is competitive because it is like you do need um having like a linguistic background is really important I think where it is so high paced and things get thrown at you um but overall I I feel like it's pretty competitive like it's pretty popular for the most part because there are so many CDA jobs that are available for people in like Ontario and at West and stuff you know uh, you, you know so so I noticed noticed that uh, the you know the you know the the, the CDA belongs to the 
communication disorders, uh, uh, you know, the you know the communication disorders assistant association of Canada. Now, do you know does your you know does your you know does your association work closely with with, with other, oh, other associations such as the Newfoundland Labrador you know speech language pathologists and audiologists like in the last part? Do do you work work closer close to hand and, and and does you know does other other associations like the last part recognize the CDAs? Um, they don't work closely like if cdas from different programs i know because i was an under uh i was a class rep for the cdac uh for our school and individuals from different places so i know only like, people from uh new brunswick have emailed and asked about um uh, ask questions about their profession. So if they're having difficulties with an SLP or they want to start their own uh, practice, which they can do. Um, so they work with them that way, but I don't know if they do work closely with Newfoundland Labrador. I feel like if it was something that, uh, like a issue that arise, they would definitely like chat with us and make sure that everything worked out for the CDA, but I don't think it's something that they do regularly. Like, I'm not sure. Now, you know, like, uh, how is your, you know, your, you know, your, you know, your association promoting, you know, you know, the, you know, the CDAs in, in, in Newfoundland, because, because I'm just, you know, thinking the more that I, 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 Listen to you, Amy. It it is a very you know very you know very important position, and 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 I sense that that you know you know new you know new you know new you know Newfoundland and and you know you know Labrador could easily use more CDAs within the province. So, so I'm just wondering, you know, what what is your your association doing to 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 lobby the government for funding for, for more recognition? For Newfoundland, I don't think there's anything. I unless like I have thought about writing um, a letter to actually just get more positions here in Newfoundland because. It's, it's needed. It is truly needed. And you don't realize it until you actually become a part of the program. Um, but I feel like as an individual who's in the CDA program and working in Newfoundland, you would have to reach out to the CDAC and ask them for their guidance and ask them for their help in um, chatting with like our association here in Newfoundland. I feel like because it's not so popular here, it's not on their priority list. You know what I mean? You see, and, and you know, listen, you know, listening to you now, Amy, we you know, we realize that you know, there, you know, there, you know, there, you know, you know, you know, there's a definite shortage of SLPs in in our province, and and I feel that the CDAs could could easily augment the you know the you know the you know the you know the 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 services of an SLP 
within the school system. And so, so it's a shame that I mean, you know, the, you know, you know, not, not, you know, not, you know, not being familiar with the whole area of of of, of CDAs, but you know, listing that there's only one in the province surprises me. When you know, when 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 really there's you know there's you know there's you know there's you know there's a definite definite shortage of SLPs. We in a you know we have trained CDAs that could help out. Be hired on, and uh, so so there, there you know there, there's lots you know lots you know lots of work to be done and uh, to to uh, to have more CDAs within the province. Oh, for sure. Um, I would love to stay in Newfoundland. I mean, especially in St. John's, that's my favorite place in the whole world. I'm from Port West, but the East Coast owns my heart for sure. But um. It's sad to see that even individuals from Newfoundland have to go out of province just to find employment. So, I mean, there, like you said, there's a shortage here in Newfoundland, and they could easily use CDAs. Like you, like I said, you really don't realize it until you're in that in that situation. And even here alone on the West Coast, I mean, we could use CDAs. Even in the Cornerbrook area, like and our bigger hubs. Um, they are important to have, and you could almost have a CDA in every area, Newfoundland, really, because if we're in Cornerbrook, we could service those from uh, Corvass or Stephenville or anything like that. So we could take on some of the responsibility and the stress from the SLPs. And if you're in the CDA profession, I mean, that's something that you love anyway. So it's not the more and merrier for me. I love being busy and I love working with individuals. It's such a great joy and it's so rewarding. So I really truly believe that Newfoundland need more CDAs. So, you know, you know, I, oh, 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 I hope that when, you know, when you start your new job, that, that you'll, you know, you'll, you know, You'll still continue to lobby for more, you know, CDAs in in our province. You know. Yeah. My mom really wants me to write a letter, and I've been going to, but I've been so busy. Um, I am so so busy, and because I'm still doing school, like full course on right now, so it's been, and I work full time, so it's been, it's been really busy, but. Um, I do have a plan to uh, write a letter and give the recognition that CDAs are needed here in Newfoundland, right? Because it's, we, they're really important. I got, not just because I am one, but they are, they're important for the communicative or communication field, for sure. You know, is, is there anything that, you know, some sort of law can do to, to help Promote and advocate uh, for your, you know, your your association. Um, here in Port Bass, we have our MHA um, Andrew Parsons, and he was a just our minister of justice, I believe. So um, Andrew is a great MHA, and he helps with so much stuff. If you have a question or concern, he's on it instantly. So I think if I did. Uh, send Andrew a letter like the even just to get the ball rolling I think that would be a good choice um, 
because he does help like he's he's wonderful in getting things done here on the southwest coast so um i think that would probably be my best bet is to talk to him i just want to kind of change the topic altogether because i had a couple more questions that i was super interested in asking about um doesn't doesn't totally flow with the conversation we're having but it's all right um, so I was, I was kind of wondering, cause a, to a topic that we discuss a lot on the podcast is the emotional component of stuttering and the emotional component of communication disorders in general and, uh, using counseling techniques and working with, uh, psychologists and therapists and things like that, um, as an SLP or a CDA. And so I was wondering to what extent you learned about counseling and, uh, emotional uh, aspects of communication disorders in your program? Because I mean, it's it's a quick program. I don't know if you had time for that kind of stuff, but I feel maybe it's, it's important since you're working so closely with the clients. So um, we don't necessarily learn a lot about counseling, like mental health wise. Uh, we learn about reinforcement, like positive and negative, um, like token rewards and stuff like that. So typical therapy stuff like counseling but not like mental health. So due to C uh, CDA being a short length program, like you just said, like we don't really have the opportunity, but um, we do, it became more of a practice when I started my placement. So um, it became really important and I caught on pretty quickly when I had older individuals specifically um, who like to chat about their communication, like communication disorders. Um, I had a stroke patient and we often just counseled sometimes because it was, it's a difficult situation. I can't say I understand what they're going through, but I can help um, chat with them and point them in the right in the right direction so I did learn some important aspects while working with the SLP on how important um the like mental health counseling is for the, in that field right like specifically kids are a little bit different than adults so adults are more likely to um, need counseling, well not need it, but they do um, require a little bit more because I mean, most of the adults that I see have disfluency or they've had strokes or other forms of communication uh, disorders. And it's something that they have previously, a skill that they had all their lives and now they have difficulty using it. and they want to go back to being who they were, but it's really difficult. So it's hard for them to work through the therapy and understand that it's okay, that you're not 100%. So I feel like it, it's a really important aspect, especially with adults. You know, what would be some of the uh, uh, challenge, uh, challenge, uh, challenges uh, that, that a CDA would uh, experience working and working with clients? Um, so there is a, there's a fine line in my competencies compared to an SLP. So aside from just the assessing part, there are areas that I 
like is a gray area. So it's difficult to understand if this is my area or not. So if a client is challenging or they are having difficulty, I can't just tell them that um, I can fix it or I can't change their objectives or, or change their therapy plans. That's something I have talked to the SLP about. So I always, the SLP is pretty much my soundboard. So I go back to them all the time. They, if I think that it's out of my area of expertise, then they help me and we work together in that situation. So um, there's been times when I've had uh, individuals ask me about getting in contact with different um disciplinary so like social work or family doctors or whatever and I mean that's out of my area altogether I do therapy sessions so the SLP I explained this is not my area um I can't answer this question for you but I can ask the SLP and you could chat with them later so it's it can be frustrating and difficult sometimes because you're not sure where the line is drawn but it's always important to bounce off the SLP. That is your best option. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you uh, mentioned that um, if you know, if I if if I heard you right, you know, do you think, Amy, that that you know that there there's a need for private practice CDAs? Like in terms of, would you, you know, would it be easy to set up a private practice? You know, like, you know, someone like yourself coming back to Newfoundland, setting up a private practice, would that be a challenge? I feel like it would be a challenge here in Newfoundland because there are so many aspects that you have to think about. So I would have to find another individual um, in a private practice. Actually, that's something me and Tony have spoken about before is, um, if I, a CDA could work for a private practice here in Newfoundland, like uh, SLPs or ideologists or whatever, because you don't hear it mostly is just with the healthcare system. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of work to go into it. I don't think it's something that, um, because a CDA is similar, but so different from an SLP. So I would have to work with the SLP or audiologist and I guess I would have to go through private practice and then I'd have to get my own, I guess, type of license to make my own practice here in Newfoundland um, because you need that SLP to do your CDA work. So I'm not sure exactly how that would pan out. So Now, would, would you explain what a, uh, I'm, I'm just looking, you know, like uh, you know, uh, you know, like I've, uh, you know, I've been doing some some research online. What is the difference between an, an on the job trained OJT versus a CDA? <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't think I've ever heard of the OJT. Oh. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, 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 it's an on you know on on the job That's trained O. OJTs similar to the CDA, but it's the, a step lower. Yeah, you haven't heard, heard of um, that? I've never heard of that. I literally, I just had to pull it up on Google. I don't know. 
Um, I'm honestly not sure. I've I've never heard of that term. You threw me for a loop there. <laughs> Something we're all gonna have to go in and learn about after this recording, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know this. You know this is in a document uh, on the Communication Disorders Assistant Association of Canada. They mentioned, you know, the, you know, the difference between a CDA and an, an OJT. So non-formally trained supportive personnel also have a variety of educational backgrounds. However, they are not graduates of the reg recognized CDA program. They will henceforth be referred to as on-the-job trained OJTs in this paper. Um, based on that description, I would take that as um, almost like an assistant to the assistant. So I feel like they would help the CDAs, um, but it sounds like they're more of a support-based uh, occupation rather than doing therapy and stuff. So they could probably help the CDA during therapy sessions. Well, that that's what I understand from the description that, that you gave. Kind of sounds so, to me like like something like a a, a student, a, a hopeful CDA or SLP. Yeah, that's kind. Is, yeah, is doing some shadowing, doing some work, probably in bigger cities where there's more larger clinics and things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like for sure. I also you want see, to preface if anybody's listening, we could be totally wrong. None of us know what OJT is, so don't take our word for I it know. at all. <laughs> no, no, no. This is interesting. So, so, so this, you know, this, you know, this, this is where I was a little confused because, as I was saying, Amy, I'm not familiar with uh, CDA, but but now I am. And then when I started to read earlier about the OJTs, I thought, well, what's the difference? But then, but but, but uh, you know, I think you're right. You know, they may be a supportive personnel to the CDA as well. You know. Like it's on the job training? Yeah, I've never actually heard of that before. Not not even in my program. I've never heard of, of these people. But I feel like they would also be very beneficial because busy. The whole thing is so busy. Caitlin, when you become an SLP, hopefully one day, if I'm not an SLP, I could be your CDA. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. No, we're always learning. We just learned a new term. We're going to have to explore that one some more now. I think so too. <laughs> All right. So before we clue up, I'm wondering if you have anything you want to add or share, anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to, to share. Um, one of the questions that you asked uh, me like before we started the interview was, um, we talked about, I believe, the importance or what my thoughts were increasing the amount of counseling and mental health treatment um, and speech language pathology, specifically those for those who stutter. So I'm actually currently doing a fluency and voice course. Um, so something that is important is the mental health aspect because I mean I realized that there were secondary characteristics and 
there was some uh, self-esteem issues that do arise from stuttering and stuff, but I've never actually, I didn't actually realize how much can occur. So like, uh, especially like um, depression and like social anxiety makes sense, uh, but like depression and people like no longer just want to speak, like they're just really important. So I feel like that um, speech difficulties can make a huge emotional uh, impact, especially on like mental health and emotionally and physically, and it could take a huge toll on somebody. Um, <clears throat> so when we work with people, it's not just for their communication purposes, it's also for their mental health. So I think that they like the therapy itself is important when we do add the counseling aspect, like, um, cause you end up learning so much stuff, for example, like bullying experiences, um, how low their self-esteem can be, um, and their overall mental health wellness could be, uh, deteriorating due to speech, um, disfluencies or communication disorders. So it's really important that we do add the, the mental health case because like I feel like that's something that should be brought up more into the CDA program um, the CDA program probably should be a little bit longer than a year because um, you don't realize it until you do get into the field itself and you actually start practicing okay my uh, last question Amy is that uh, uh, can you uh, know can uh, CDAs specialize let's say specialize in stuttering um you know um i feel like that is like i feel like they're like an slp so dependent on the clinic because there are cdas in my class that work at an aac clinic so argument of alternative communication i don't know if you guys have heard of that that yeah okay so that term before because i didn't until i started as a cda um so they the SLPs and the CDAs, they are focused specifically on different types of AAC. Um, I feel like if I were interested in voice and disfluency, I could work with an SLP that focuses directly on them if uh, I, I had the opportunity to work in that area. So um, for me, one of my interests is working with uh, down syndrome patients. I love down syndrome patients. They're so cute. They're so joyful. They bring so much happiness to your day. Um, but I also really enjoy working with stroke patients as well. Well, I love working in every area. So I don't think I really have a favorite. They're all like, everybody brings so much different things to the table. You learn so much stuff from everybody. It's, it's awesome. But I kind of went on a tangent there, but yeah. Um, I think that is a possibility to focus on, I guess it depends on the clinic that you work in, right? And where your area lies or where your interest lies, I should say. Would it be too, like if you're, if you're specializing as a CDA, you specialize in say speech pathology or audiology or something like, is that? So too? my, so actually uh, it's funny that you said it because my friend Jacqueline, when she was doing her placement, she worked with an SLP two days a week and then she worked with an audiologist two days a week. So I guess she got to choose, got to determine what she liked most. So she had that, she was lucky to have that opportunity. Unlike me who was here in rural Newfoundland, not being able, I got one SLP, that's all I got. Um, so 
you could if because we do ideology courses actually like i'm in the middle of doing an ideology course right now which i do really find interesting i love ideology um so later down the road if i didn't want to work with an slp i could focus in working with um an audiologist but one of my biggest areas of interest is avt so auditory, auditory verbal therapy um is the best of both worlds i like to say it's uh ideology and speech so that's my angle completely so whether i work as a cda or an actual avt um it's is a really enjoying like it's a good area like you get the best of both worlds so that would be probably where I would focus most. You know, being a novice, Amy, in, in this whole area, would you, you know, would you explain to our listeners what ABT means? Okay, so an ABT is an auditory verbal therapist. Um, so they work uh, as a speech language pathologist and audiologist. So mo their most common client is individuals um, who have cochlear implants. So cochlear implants are ears embedded into the side of your head. The easiest way to explain it. And they have magnets on them that help you hear. So the technology, um, it, there's an incision behind your ears for your uh, cochlear or your cochlea and then like your middle ear and stuff. And they insert it so you could get the vibrations and the sounds and stuff, the frequencies. Um, so they help not only with focusing on the hearing aspect of the cochlear implants, but they also work with um, the language development. So children with hearing loss are behind in their language development because hearing is such an important aspect of communication. Um, especially speech. So they help them with their therapy sessions um, and helping them uh, develop their language as they develop their hearing. You know, it's, it's amazing what, you know, what, what I learned from our guest on, 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 on some study law. Because I mean, the you know the whole you know whole area of communication, language, and speech is such a huge area that I feel that 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 in many ways that you know you know we we've only touched the tip of the iceberg, and and sometimes I I sense that you know there's you know there you know you know like the the speech language the speech language. Uh, audiologists, the CDAs should, you know, should be working more closely together to support each other. You know, like that's, you know, that's my stance. What, what what's your thought? Um, we do work like, uh, I know Tony and the audiologist, so we don't have one here in Port of West. They come in from Stephenville um, and they do work closely together as it is. So um, we don't work just with audiologists. Like we also work with a bunch of different um, disciplinary. So developmental psych, there's behavioral management, there's uh, ABA therapy, um, there's OTs, uh, physiotherapists, uh, AVTs, daycare workers. It's a huge community of um, 
disciplinaries that work together for this one individual, which is really nice to see. Like you really learn a lot um, from each person. So they're almost like a, a sandboard where you could bounce your ideas off each other. Um, Cause it's important like for physio and OT, if they have a sensory needs or, and they have um, different types of behaviors, we need to know what the sensory needs are and what we can do to help further our, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Services, <laughs> further our services for them. Um, so we, it's almost like one big um, community really that helps uh, each client. Yeah, we've, we've talked about it a lot here. I've talked about it a lot, the, the importance of collaborative work between all different professions. So SLP and CDA is one obvious example. Obviously they work together, but working with audiologists, OTs, PTs, all of that. And then also working with psychologists and counselors. There's so much need for collaborative work, even working with uh, an SLP, working with, I don't know, some, a general physician or somebody like there's, there's yeah. all kinds of different ways that these, um, these fields can interconnect. And I think that there's such a value on collaborative and collaborative work that I think needs to be focused on a little bit more. Yeah. Teamwork is the main and all I, in my personal opinion, um, teamwork is what makes the therapy, uh, productive. Like it makes it work if we are all work together, it helps form the perfect form of rehab for them, right? So it's, it is really important. It's a really important aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one, uh, one last question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so Amy, what do you, you know, what, can the uh, the you know the other associations do in terms of advocating supporting the CDAs because you know because the sense that the sense that it isn't a recognized position at the moment and 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 it's obvious listening to you that that there's a definite need what you know what would you recommend to get more support from the other associations um if well i think the most important thing would be getting the worded about cdas here in newfoundland so um nobody knows what a communicative disorders assistant is unless you unless you do the program um besides some slps do know um so one of mine and caitlin's friends actually just applied for a cda program through the school that i went to um, so it would be really important to get the word out in general, how important CDAs are. Um, I think then if we have enough of, um, enough interest with the CDAs alone, like if we had enough people, I think that we could get, um, recognition from, um, I believe a SAC, like this, uh, speech and communication or ideology the Canadian Association. Um, and I think that we could get it here in Newfoundland if we do. I think it got to be a teamwork um, 
approach, I think, because they're not going to do it for just one CDA. You're going to have to show them the need and you're going to have to get the interest there on the island to get the CDAs, right? So definitely needs some more education and awareness about what a CDA is, because yeah. not going to lie, I've been planning to do speech speech language pathology since I was 13, have been learning about it since I was 13 and had never heard of a CDA until you started the program. So <laughs> I have spent years and years and years learning about SLE and not once heard about CDA. So that is just yeah. crazy to me that that is that happened, that I didn't know about it. So I definitely think that that's a super big thing. I think the word definitely needs to be get out because we're not just focusing on SLP. It's not just speech. We could work in any disciplinary. So we could work in audiology, like I said, or AVT or any other form. I mean, it's a broad area that you can work in, but we don't have the opportunity to show it here in Newfoundland. So I do think the education is so important. Like I think on SAC, there's one little area of CDA on the, on the webpage. And um, I didn't know what CDAC was. I didn't know what the communicative disorders association was before I started my program I was just like yeah I'll be a student rep like sure no problem and then I got to actually learn about it and you don't know and by fluke I mean I've been out of a CDA program so I mean it's it does need to be like a spoke about more here on the island for sure mm. You know, Amy, I sense that you know that that you that you will be the advocacy voice of CDA in in Newfoundland, in Labrador. I hope so. I hope so because if I don't get into speech, I hope I could come home at some point and work as in my field of study, in my field of practice for sure. Listen, Amy, if anybody can do it, it's you. You are. You're a very loud and persuasive voice in the best way possible. I'm pretty determined, yeah. I don't <laughs> I, I could easily get my own way, I think, eventually. If I work hard enough, I think I could do it. So. <laughs> well, Amy, it, you know, it has been a pleasure talking to you this morning. And, and I wish you the best of luck in, in your new job. But remember to you know remember this is your home here and we we need people like you to 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 lobby in in this whole area of speech language and communication so thank you very much thank you guys for having me i truly appreciate it um i loved having the opportunity to talk about not only my career but also what i love to do so it's really nice to be able to get the, the information about CDAs and hopefully this could spark a interest and get us get us started here on the island. Some Stutter Love, Newfoundland and Labrador's first podcast about stuttering has so much to talk about. Let's start listening. This has been an episode of Some Stutter Love, Newfoundland and Labrador's first podcast about stuttering. Some Stutter Love is hosted and produced by Greg O'Grady, Caitlin Mayo, Emily Murphy, Melanie Crane, Dr. Paul DeDecker, and Luca Dean. Some Stutter La is available on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. 
You can also check out the Some Stutter Love channel on YouTube to ask a question, send us a comment or suggestion, or just to get in touch. Find us online at Some Stutter Podcast on Instagram or Some Stutter Love Pod on Facebook. Thanks for listening.